where music is the spice of life. What does that make a podcast? Well, I'm here to tell you. You sound like Jeff Bridges. He's trying to be Now I tell you. Well, now I tell you that a podcast is the spice of life. <laughs> Where are we at right now? Well, we're at Tackett's Tavern, Brady Vice, recording episode 12. 12. Of what you're not hearing. Now, how cool is that? We've made it a uh, a packet of eggs in. <laughs> a packet of eggs. <laughs> a packet of eggs. A conchin? It's been a long week. A tarcon. A tarcon. Computer. <laughs> Computron. Computron. It's been a week. Um, it has been a week, and uh, Brady, in, in the time that uh, it's been, there's been a whole lot of things happen mm-hmm. up here in the Berg, Kentucky, including a bluegrass festival and a whole slew of things that kind of went on with that. Um, so I haven't really seen you in a week, so what have you been up to? i just working and listening to music when I get the opportunity. Um, playing a little bit, but other than that, just working. Um, but I see that you've been busy with a lot of live music recently, which is something I've not really been able to take advantage of. Tomorrow night I will, which is going to be awesome. I'm going to go see Laidback Country Picker at the Judy Drive-In. Going to have a album release show, which is maybe a new way of seeing live music. That's true. It's very true. And yes, uh, like I said, there was a bluegrass festival last week, and it went on outside, just so everybody knows. I didn't get near anyone. I mean, not, I don't know. I was safe. He wasn't hugging and kissing every yeah. Dick and Harry. That's true. But yeah, it was live music, and it was live bluegrass, and you know, we've talked about bluegrass before on the show. We tend to like a little bit the more progressive stuff, or... Mm-hmm more authentic stuff and there was a good selection this week of traditional bands and some more progressive acts that went on and it was very nice to be able to listen to some music in person and actually see have some interaction with an artist is very nice and uh, kind of going off of that it led me into my what's spinning this week okay uh, I decided to revisit the Wook's first record. Nice. And it's one of my favorite records called Little Circles. Um, I remember I always kept it in my CD player in my car, and I, my old car now, but I never really listened to CDs then. It just mm-hmm. never happened. But I'd always, if I didn't have my phone or it was dead or something, the Wook's Little Circles was yeah. in there. And uh, I just have to say, what top-notch album that it is and Allison Brown the great uh, producer and banjo player she she was the producer on the record I do believe and it's just real progressive and real fun to listen to so if you haven't listened to it Brady I know you've listened oh to yeah it. plenty of times and what a debut record at that, yeah, you know? Really? Uh, a lot of the songwriting, I mean, there are a few covers on there, but a lot of that songwriting is amazing. 
partially, I mean, I think two or three of the songs are cuts from Arthur Hancock, uh-huh. and then CJ wrote a few songs for it. And, you know, it's just Turtle in the Creek, and is it Turtle in the Creek? Yeah, Turtle in the Creek's on there. That's like one of my favorite instrumental bluegrass yeah. tunes. It's, an, it's a fun one. But, I mean, they're in the studio, actually. I saw that. Are they really? They're recording a new record, so they're going to add another one. I'm not sure if Arthur will be involved at all, but it's going to be good. So listen to the Wooks. Wook out, America. <laughs> Wook out, America. <laughs> um, I've been spending not much. been busy and not been pressing play on my turntable, and it's been kind of sad, but I actually got a chance to dig into an artist I've been meaning to dig into because I just... I was reading an article and it referenced Doc Watson. So I was like, well, what better time than now to look into Doc Watson? And I have to admit, I never knew Doc Watson was blind until this previous week. I, it's something that never... So you get the whole experience. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, like, all the shock value of him. And he's just an amazing artist. And um, I dug into his um, self-titled album, Doc Watson, and... Just what a great record from top to bottom. And how he took some traditional tunes and really... He really just uh, gives them new life, in a sense. Um, you know, you've got some traditional tunes, like Deep River Blues. I'm pretty sure... Isn't... Um, yeah, Deep River Blues <laughs> gave a little fist pump there. You introduced me to that song mm-hmm. um, by playing it at various shows. And it's one of my top ten... Austin Tackett songs, David Austin oh. Tackett songs I get to hear. I enjoy cool. it. That's pretty neat. It's one of my top ten to play. Let it sure. rain, let it pour. Let it rain a lot more. The Doc Watson is he's a true American mm-hmm. hero in mind, especially uh, guitar hero, music yeah. hero. And he was one of those artists that bridged um, country, uh, the old-time traditional the uh, folk revival of the 60s he was knee deep into that and just even you know he played a lot with all the great artists at the time he played with Bill Monroe traditional mm-hmm. bluegrass he played a lot with David Grisman he played a lot with Chet Atkins I mean just who's who so oh, I mean yeah. that, that says a lot about the caliber musician that he was one more thing to go with that was um, the song Tom Dooley song I've heard many times but never really listened to. There's a lot of songs like that for me uh-huh. where you know you just kind of hear it in passing you get half the story but don't uh-huh. really and I listen to Tom Dooley and I just want to know more so I kind of dug into it, read a couple articles and you know just like historical pages so I never knew it was like a love triangle and Tom Dooley actually didn't or te- you know air quotes didn't uh-huh. murder her so and I kept on reading and reading and apparently the woman that actually murdered the lady that Tom Dooley supposedly murdered uh, <laughs> told Doc Watson's grandmother or great grandmother that she, she like she confessed to it. Really? Yeah. In one of the articles I read, it could be totally fabricated, but well, I mean, if so, he had some great yeah, insider, insider info. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That is pretty crazy. So speaking of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady, today we're starting a new series on this channel, and uh, it's going to be one that is going to be 
released probably over the course of a, a year, I'd imagine. Yeah. And it'll just be time-consuming. But we're going to do our alphabetical series. <laughs> so uh, explain to the lovely listeners what we're going to be doing. Just kind of spitballing ideas today, and um, Austin brought up the alphabet episode. Everything's a sued. A sued. And just like co- covering five to ten artists we like and also think you're not hearing enough of, and just kind of going over why we like them, some songs we like, and just stuff like that. Really just kind of digging into our own. And I'm sure we're going to differ in a lot of, you know, genres and subgenres. But yeah, do you have a. Dishonorable mentions, because I do. <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say dishonorable mentions, but I do have some honorable mentions. Uh, one is Audio Slave. Okay, yeah, that can um, go on mine. Back in the day, as you know, I I don't know if this was like a our generation kind of thing, but like middle school to early high school, like all the the guys, you know that. More on the football team, whatever. They got really into like '90s rock and early 2000s rock, and mm-hmm. then that transformed, you know, into Audio Slave, which is basically Rage Against the Mas- Machine with Chris Cornell replacing mm-hmm. uh, Zach De La Rocha. So it's a really great album, and I mean, in terms of if you like Chris Cornell, anything that yeah. Rage ever done, I mean. It's it's a very solid record. I put that on an honorable mention, and that's probably where my honorable mentions are gonna end. Cause A was a hard letter to get through. Oh, for me, very few, you know. But um, talking about Chris Cornell for a second, just I think a lot of people don't really a lot of people know about him. But then uh, then again, I mean, people don't know about Soundgarden and. Mm-hmm. All the stuff he was doing prior to Temple of the Dog. Yeah, he was in Temple of the Dog with Eddie Vedder, and um, who else was in that collective? Uh, a lot of. That's probably my people. favorite grunge album ever. But I have a bunch of dishonorable mentions, <laughs> starting <laughs> starting with Aaron Carter. Oh, I went through <laughs> my my Spotify playlist of my artists. How many Aaron Carter songs? How many songs? Six. Six of them. That's how I beat Shaq, being my favorite one. Um, my next one is Alter Bridge, <laughs> Creed with a different singer. Gosh. Um, we're gonna stay in the same genre that post crunch, <laughs> mid two thousands rock. Asking Alexandria. Oh gosh, are you gonna tell me your next one's the All American Rejects? No, I actually didn't include them. <laughs> I get down to it somewhere too. <laughs> Hope it gives you hell. <laughs> Hope we don't get copyrighted for like singing at all. Uh, oh, we're well. not singing. We're. Not, I think the cutoff's eight notes. It is okay. And um, Amish Electric Chair is an honorable mention. Yes, yeah, we referenced that in our um, crazy music episode. Yeah. Shout out to episode seven, eight. Yeah. And then my only like serious honorable mention is ABBA. <laughs> ABBA. Yeah. I only have one ABBA song in my library. It was, it was a Dancing, Dancing Queen. Queen. Yep, that's the one everybody's got. Need to get into the ABBA deep cuts. I'm a big ABBA deep cuts guy. <laughs> Fernando and 
throwing in another dishonorable mention, I'm going to throw in a Treyu in the mid-2000s rock category. <laughs> That's um, a name I've not heard in forever. <laughs> and I'm glad I haven't. Uh, I remember Madden 2005, Ray Lewis on the cover, Becoming the Bull. <laughs> was one of their first big hits, and it was on that game. That's my first uh, Atreyu memory there. Goodness. But uh, moving out of the honorable, dishonorable mentions, sorry for the dishonorable ones if you from those bands are listening. (laughs) We've got a bunch of Alter Bridge fans. (laughs) We've got a a slew (laughs) of Alter Bridge fans. Um, I'm going to get us started because I feel like I have the most... Um, I'm, I don't know how to put this. The the probably the least expected artist out of our combined team, mm-hmm. um, and that is Adam Sandler. <laughs> now, growing up in the Taggart household involved a great deal of movies and comedy movies, a lot of Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. So, in that era, Adam Sandler, obviously, was really big. I remember we had Billy Madison on DVD, and we fell in love with Adam Sandler and just how ignorant that he was and how kind of silly. So, going through all of the Adam Sandler greatest hits and, you know, up to even, like, the Ridiculous Eight, you can't help but to laugh at him. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people can make fun of him all that he wants, and but he's made a substantial amount of money making people laugh. And his music is no different from his movies. It's silly, and you know, some of it's probably a little dated in terms yeah. of content. But in terms of holding a place, to me, where I can look back and be like, you know, the Hanukkah song... Or Lunch Lady with Chris Farley <laughs> yeah. on SNL. Um, just truly, it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. And if music is nothing more entertainment than you, then get a load of Adam Sandler, yeah. Lunch Lady, or Hanukkah Song, Wedding Singer, the whole movie, mm-hmm. that soundtrack with him. I, I just wonder how many people actually don't know that Adam Sandler has played music before. I feel like over under... Or not over under, you know, if I had to bet a percentage, I'd say like 70% of Adam Sandler fans probably don't know. Not 70, Well, maybe 60. modern. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Young people, there's no way they think oh. Adam Sandler's mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> there's no way. Well, all they know him from is the Netflix specials anymore. Like, they don't really get to dig into the other stuff because it's not easily available. These are the same kids that watch TikTok Hospital and the TikTok House. What's TikTok Hospital? It's... I don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what it is. I don't want to know what I ask. I've just, I've just seen it. It's a popular thing on the YouTube, the TikTok Hospital. I guess it's like a TikTok sitcom. <laughs> this is what the younger generation is into. I mean, we were into Vine and Twitter when it first came out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, begrudgingly, we were not into funny stuff either to our yeah. older peers. So I mean, mm. it's it, I guess it's just the way of life, way of the road. My um number one <laughs> is a band that is no longer together. Um, the Alabama Shakes, which is a great band, hailing from Georgia, I believe. 
Um, lead singer Brittany Howard actually just released her debut album this year, I believe. And boy, does she have some pipes on her. Uh-huh. Um, they have really only one full-length album that's worth listening to, and that's Sound and Color. And just thinking about it on the way here and how it came out at such a pivotal moment in my life. I was a sophomore going into junior year, and it's a, a point where I was only listening to mainly hip-hop and stuff like that. And it's something my dad and I kind of got into, and it's it's something for everybody, kind of. You know, it's got a little bit of blues influence. It's got a little bit of that 2000s rock influence. It's got a little bit of that southern rock influence, uh-huh. like the the Almond, little Almond Brothers influence thrown in there. And it's just just a phenomenal album. And I, it just it holds a place in my yeah. heart. So that's why they were kind of an easy pick. To throw a little bit on that, if if you haven't heard uh, the American Epic um, recording series, which was basically it was a documentary, kind of like the country music Ken Burns, mm-hmm. but it was a collection of like all American music from the South, I think. And so, I believe it was at Jack White's recording studio. They recorded a bunch of modern artists in the same exact way they recorded, you know, like with the little, um, what's it called, Victrolic thing. Yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the... I understand, but yeah. They recorded in that, and Alabama Shakes are on there. Mm-hmm. So's Nas. Really? And it's really cool, the stuff they did, so... Well, I'll tell you what, Third Man Records and Jack White, he does a lot of amazing stuff. Uh-huh. Like, I just went down a rabbit hole one day on his uh, YouTube channel for the Third Man Records. They did, like, the fastest pressing in history and uh-huh. stuff like that. I mean, it's just crazy. They recorded a song on Record Store Day, took it, had, like, uh, one copy pressed on vinyl, and brought it back in, like, an hour, two hours. It's pretty crazy. It's ridiculous, yeah. Jack White... A man of many talents. And only one color, pale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He is one of the palest human beings. That I've reminds me of that one song from like the 60s and 70s. What is it called? Uh, a Whiter Shade of Pale. A Whiter Shade of Pale. Jack White. Jack White. All right, let's move on to um, this one. I have to admit I cheated. Mm. Only because, as I mentioned earlier, A was very hard for me. Okay. Um. My next one is Al Yankovic. I took out the weird. Cause, okay. Because looking down the line, I was kind of planning ahead. I have a lot of W's, surprisingly, and not a lot of A's. So, Al Yankovic, the weird Al. I mean, in the vein of Adam Sandler of being, you know, a, a funny musician, but at the same time, being an uberly talented musician. Weird Al's dad was uh, a famous polka player mm-hmm. and uh, accordionist. Is is that what it would be called? Accordionist? Accordionist? I think we'll have to phone in uh, Kent Grannis <laughs> for this one. <laughs> he would know. Big Weird Al fan there. But yeah, Weird Al is bigger than just being parody music mm-hmm. because... If you look down the line at what he's took and made fun of or took and made his own, even the songs that he's written and recorded, 
I mean, he does it in a way that people don't typically get upset. Mm-hmm. And there there were examples throughout his career. I'm positive that people were upset that he covered their song, but you know he garnered so much a praise from people that his music was just as popular as a lot of the original tracks and you know that's saying a lot for parody musician and to be able to take his own style of music and parody and along with all the covers but the polka remixes of songs i've always loved and i've always loved the accordion all yeah. the accordionists out there so al yankovic he's he's there for me I mean, and just much respect. Just thinking about the parody music scene, he was the first on that, and he really influenced a whole slew of kids that didn't even know they were influenced by yeah. Weird Al in the uh, 2010s, and actually maybe it goes back to like 2008 to 2012 when parody music on YouTube That's true. was the biggest thing. And at the time, I didn't know even about Weird Al and then finally I mm-hmm. got and figured out I'm like wow this guy really because he'd make music videos and stuff and that's a lot of what the market was on YouTube for the pioneer you're I mean, really think of the Lonely Island mm-hmm. I mean they've had like charted like top 10 oh yeah like multi-platinum songs I think at one point one of their on albums was yeah one of their albums was on the <laughs> billboard <laughs> you know I mean, I mean crazy shoot Back to you. Number Brady number two, we talked about Southern Rock a little bit last time. Uh, talk about the Almond Brothers, and just I'll, I'll go ahead and shout out. This is my number three. Okay, so yeah, we'll just kind of have yeah. a big conversation. Okay. Um. Well, my whole thing with the Almond Brothers, love Greg, but Dwayne Almond is probably one of the best studio musicians of all time. And I don't really know anybody else that could be debated. I mean... Glenn it, Campbell. It, yeah, well, in my opinion, I guess. In your opinion. In my humble opinion. <laughs> As being not but, a great fan of Glenn Campbell, I will yeah. go with your okay. opinion. But just, I mean, have you ever listened to Wilson Pickett's version of Hey Jude? I have not, actually. Dwayne Allman plays guitar on that. Really? And it's just, I mean, it, it gets me. That's a, that's a really great... I do like Wilson Pickett. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got some soul in him. Um, and, uh, just, I mean, he played a lot of stuff for Aretha Franklin and it's just Dwayne Allman Mm -hmm. does it for me, but Eat a Peach is just phenomenal album. Mm -hmm. Um, their live from Statesboro album, great album. I mean, they, they really inspired a lot of people too, you know, they don't have a bad album. No. And, you know, the reason that they're on my list and when we've, when we first talked about doing this, and this was the first band that came to mind immediately, mm-hmm. and you know, in the way that they approached music was the same way they approached life. It's like they're just so free spirited that whatever happens happens. I mean, talk about the genesis of the modern jam band. You know, was the Almond Brothers, mm-hmm. and if if you Look at what makes a jam band a jam band. Yes, they're Southern Rock, the Almond Brothers. Yeah, they're whatever else genre you want to put in, but it's that approach to the music 
that's more than just okay when you listen to this there's going to be a long solo mm-hmm. it's like that cat's got something to say right there they're talking and they're they're going back and forth having mm-hmm. a conversation you know and i think some more modern jam bands are they've lost that a little bit in the way whereas the Almond Brothers, the Dead, um, even think about a little bit of the later bands. They had that conversation always going, kind of like in a, in a in a sense, the older jazz music was like, mm-hmm. where it would be conversations and music. Talk about like Miles Davis when we talk about with James is like those were them having that conversation. Yeah. That's why the records were so good. So, Almond Brothers, for that reason, have always been, you know, one of my favorite bands with an A, man. <laughs> I picked that record up for five bucks. That's pretty awesome. And it plays pretty good. Shout out to Zach. Shout out Zuck. So, I guess I'm going into my number three then, since we shared ours. A new cat on the scene, but a cat that's been on the scene for a while. He's just now getting recognized. <laughs> Um, Arlo McKinley. Yeah, Arlo. He's he's been around Kentucky for a long time. He hails from Cincinnati, but um, at 40 years old, he signed his first record deal with Oh Boy Records, which is a record label that's fond to both of us, John Prine's record label. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a uh, he put out his debut album. Well, I guess this is going to be his debut album on yeah. a record label, but his first album with the Lonesome Sound was a really good record and I remember seeing him a couple times at the Burrow and just thinking this guy's got a really good voice and his music is not advanced advanced it's country music mm-hmm. but it's not like bad country music it's not the pop country it's not yeah. It's not. Well, I don't even call it pop country it's pop music I mean it's it's his experience yeah he, he is yeah. his songs tell a story and I can relate to a lot of his songs. And they just really resonate well with me. And I just think he seems like he's a really cool dude as well. Yeah, I've never got the opportunity to talk to him. I've been around him in the, like festival-type settings before mm-hmm. where you know it's not really like you're around anybody, but they're there and you're aware of it yeah. kind of thing. But by all accounts, um, every story I've heard is genuine of him and... You know, in the way that he writes his songs, it it comes across as authentic, mm-hmm. everything. And I think that's one reason why, you know, it may have took him till he was 40 to get a record deal, but his stories and his authenticity shone through. So it got him there. Yeah. And sticking with it, you yeah. know, is a big part of the struggle that a musician has to go through. Yeah. So look out for his new record coming out here in the next couple months. Die uh, Midwestern. This uh, person I follow on Instagram does a lot of media work, mm-hmm. kind of with that group of musicians that I, I I call them like the the Lexington group. It's just they're always playing in the Lexington region. Yeah, and uh, she's been posting some behind the scenes pictures of Arlo's like. I don't know if it's like cover shoots or just promo pictures, but it's it's kind of it's kind of neat to see. Now he's like, oh, old boy records. Artist. Yeah, 
That's pretty cool. It's crazy. So I'm going to go into my number four now. And uh, this is an artist that I, I don't know how you couldn't be aware of Alison Krauss uh, to this mm-hmm. stage unless you just genuinely, you know, weren't a fan of any kind of country, western, southern music. Um, she's the winningest Grammy artist of all time. Um, she has a voice that speaks to any genre of music and more than that she sings with so much um, intent that you never doubt that she's the greatest singer you've ever heard when Mm -hmm. you're listening to her and there's a lot of conversations that people have like who's the best at what and a lot of them are driven by personal opinion I can be like Chris Thiele's greatest mandolin player in the world and that's my opinion people have argued that against me which is fine and you know there's people Eddie Vedder you know the greatest rock singer of all time and then you have people like Eddie Vedder sounds like he's eating <laughs> and singing at the same time but if you have ever listened to Alison Krauss with somebody they're not going there's somebody better than that mm-hmm. I mean and it may be the most useless debate you could have is to say that anyone's better than her in terms of her voice. But along with that, just we were talking about progressive bluegrass last week, and the way that she approached music was so unique, especially for the bluegrass world. Mm-hmm. And just the way she took the bluegrass sound and she took some of that rock and country that she's been involved with and mixed it in, sprinkled it in, and turned it into Alison Krauss in the Union Station or Alison Krauss. Just everything she ever recorded is just top-notch and very unique. And no one else is like that. And so I felt very compelled to put her of course. in my top five. And she kind of spans genres too, getting into bluegrass and then country and other things. The first time I really heard Alison Krauss was... Um, in the year 2012, I believe, 13, maybe, um, when Jamie Johnson released that Hank Cochran album of all of his, it was the tribute, uh-huh. uh, album and, um, make the world go away with Alison Krauss mm-hmm. and him. That song just kind of did it for me. And I jumped on the train after that. And yeah. I, I can't argue with you either. I mean, there, that's a stupid debate. You're right. Shoot. So that's my number four. My number four is um, switching it up a little bit. A tribe called Quest. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I've I've mentioned a tribe called Quest probably three or four times on this show, and just I mean, thinking about their, I mean, just all they've given to hip hop and kind of laying the the groundwork in the early '90s, mid '90s, and still being relevant today i mean they released an album in 2016 i believe and one of the singles on that album was in the top 25 billboard for like months so i mean people still kind of care i care but i mean midnight marauders is the album that did it for me you've got award award tour steve Biko, 
Um, oh my God. Just, I mean, I, I just, the instrumentation too just does it for mm-hmm. me. But Tribe Call Quest, and actually kind of an experimental album, Midnight Marauders is. It uh, starts out with your guide. I think her name's Thelia, something like that. And it's just like this robot voice. So it's kind of like a, and this album came out in 1993, 94. And just giving you a tour of where they're at during the albums going on. You know, they give you little tidbits about what happened when they recorded this song. So it's kind of like just like album liner notes, but actually in the album. And I can respect that. Yeah. Never heard of that before. Now, were they one of the art artists in the 90s that were really hit hard by like the sampling police yes uh, a lot of the stuff they sampled was from these you know older jazz standard records and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but um I mean it's crazy to think that that was going on even then Mm -hmm. um but I guess it makes more sense to go on then than now yeah, I mean now there's kind of ways to get around that, and yeah, that, ways to. Thanks but, to them, I guess. But then you just got absolutely sued, and mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it's crazy. They've they kind of laid the groundwork for hip hop at that time. And you know, I'm not the biggest fan of hip hop like you are, um, but I enjoy the the '90s to. Yeah. To well, even probably. Like the '86 range mm-hmm. up to probably the mid '90s, I really yeah. enjoy. And Tribe Called Quest is one of the groups I'm pretty familiar with. And I can still encounter certain artists up to this day that I can kind of get into, but they have to be actually like lyrical and have more instrumentation on mm-hmm. there. So like Mad Villain, um, early Tyler the Creator. <laughs> um, you what know. about nerd? Were you a big fan? Yeah, of Yeah, I really like nerd. I always like nerd. That's um, that's one of the few like groups in the early two like two thousand four to two thousand what when they stopped like seven yeah, that they were just there. doing their own thing and that was kind of not really because everybody was kind of trying to mm-hmm. get their hits on the you know it's all about crunk and party songs mm-hmm. and stuff like that at that time but they just did what they wanted. Odd future. And that's that's where they drew a lot of their influence was from uh, Nerd. Mm-hmm. Odd future. Yeah, there there was a time in both of our lives. I remember Brady where oh yeah, the Loiter Squad uh, was just coming on TV on Adult Swim, <laughs> and there was a big wave through our high school. Of oh yeah, the, the crew that listened. We were and the followed. Uh, we were the captains of the boat. <laughs> and everybody was just following. Right. Uh, but I still have my um, Odd Future Donut socks. <laughs> Fun fact, I was um, on a, and we'll get off the subject, but I was on a um, youth group trip with uh, my pastor, or my youth pastor at the time, and we went to a mall for something. And I said, hey, can we stop in this store? It was Zoomies, which is a skate shop mm-hmm. that has a bunch of, like, anti-semitic like brands in it and stuff like that and then like odd future and stuff like that and i was like i just gotta get a pair of donut socks and he literally just thought they were donut socks <laughs> didn't know they were odd future what a what a time what a time to be alive oh my oh gosh um all right so this is my fifth and final installment into the a's 
Now, one thing to kind of preface, we did five apiece, and including some mentions there. But depending on, I guess, how many artists there are, we may adjust mm-hmm. that number for future ones. So you'll have to let us know how you feel about five. Um, but my fifth and final installment is Sleep at the Will. I knew that one was coming. Yeah. And I've talked about Western Swing a lot in our 12 episodes. And I can remember the the birth of my love for Western Swing. And it was, I was a sophomore in college. And I'd been playing a lot of flat picking tunes on guitar and was learning a lot of bluegrass and stuff. And I was finding myself kind of bored with it mm-hmm. um then in my country band that i was a part of and we decided to learn a bob wills tune called miss molly and i thought it was a cool song and the way it sounded drew me in it was pretty unique for country as it sounded a lot like jazz and it was unique to jazz because it sounded a lot like country and I was very excited to get to learn it and so I went through and learned the chords with my guitar instructor and the chords just whipped me I mean the the complexity of what they were playing you know it's no different than you know let's say jazz or something mm-hmm. like that the way that the music moves and so from learning that song, Miss Molly, and learning those chord changes, ever since that day, I've just been all in on the Western Swing. And Asleep at the Wheel takes all the great traditions of Western Swing and the musical stylings, and they kicked it into overdrive and added, you know, the modern twist. And they're still going strong today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of people know the song Hot Rod Lincoln, a lot of people know their stuff when they worked with uh, to- Toy Story back in the day. Yeah. The first couple Toy Stories. Um, but I don't really know what much more to say about them if you haven't listened to them because their music is such a experience and all the recordings that they've done, most of them anyway, do a great job of capturing that moment where, you know, they had just as much enthusiasm you know playing in a studio as they do for a live audience and i think that's just really killer and that's what swing's all about is having energy and having a good time so that is number five um the sleep at the wheels really not by a newer generation but by you know our parents generation well known Mm -hmm. they made western swing cool in a sense you know because they've been around for 50 years, 50 yeah. plus years. And uh, I remember because um, you were telling me there was a sale on a record on their website, so I went and bought it. I get it home. My dad said, Brady, is that Ray Benson's autograph? I'm like, Dad, you know about Ray Benson? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I like Asleep at the Wheel. I was like, okay. So, yeah, and then my boss said something about Asleep at the Wheel one day, was mentoring them. I was like, I guess they're a little bit more well-known than I yeah, thought. Yeah, I mean, they, they charted country mm-hmm. and... Um, I, well, I guess really that's what they charted but <laughs> but I mean they were 
they were successful yeah. and popular. And Ray Benson is such, he's very unforgettable if, I mean, just his voice. And mm-hmm. he's also like seven and a half feet yes, tall. Yes, he's always <laughs> looks so tall to me. I'm like, gosh. Um, What's your opinion on Emo Mathrock? <laughs> <laughs> Out of left field here, Brady. Oh, man. When I think of Emo Mathrock, well, when I think of Mathrock, I think of Devo. You throw in Emo, I don't really know what to think. My mind goes to Al City, but that's not right. <laughs> Al City? <laughs> I know, it's not even isn't, Emo. Wait, isn't Al City a Christian group? Well, I believe Al City's one guy. It's, it's a Christian it's a group, Christian, though, because they played Christian, a song with yeah. Carly Rae Jepsen, and it, it charted on the Christian charts for some reason. Uh, American uh, Football. American Football. Have you ever heard of American Football? I'm not familiar with this. American Football is a group I got into my senior year of high school when I had no idea what Math Rock was, but I just found them, and I kind of fell in love with them. They've uh, They put out their first record in... 1999, I believe. So a year after I was born. And just an emo math rock collective. Somewhere up northeast, I think maybe Chicago, Illinois, somewhere in, in there. In my mind, I'm thinking of cake, but sadder. <laughs> I love cake, though. Cake is, I do too. cake is awesome. Listen to more cake. And yeah. not, not cake by the ocean, but actual, like the band cake. Cake. Um, but American football, they have a song. It's it's a lot of instrumental stuff. I actually, <laughs> I um, the first time, it's when I was really getting into records, and I I was like really nerding out, and I'd go <laughs> like and look for cool records and stuff like that. Well, I I was going on a date with a girl, <laughs> we went on a date in Lexington, um, and I was like, hey, can we stop in this record store and look? And I spent like you know, maybe two hours in there. <laughs> I feel like such a terrible person, but I found this American football record I've been looking for forever. And I bought it. I spent like 40 some dollars on it because it's a double LP, red vinyl. And she thought I was crazy and never talked to me again. Well, But I had, my, I had my American football LP, but they've since released another LP that's not as good. That's very sad, Brady. But it led me into other things that I already heard that I never knew I heard. So you're familiar with the TV show um, Friday Night Lights. Yes. It led me into Explosions in the Sky, which did a lot of the music for Friday Night Lights. So a lot of the instrumental music you hear is Explosions in the Sky. Um, I think This Town Needs Guns is one of the bands. I mean, and those groups are something to dig into if you're really into instrumental music because... It's it's really, I mean it, it's it's a roller coaster. How does it? Are you familiar with Aphex Twin? I'm not. No. In, in my head, you're describing, you know, the music for that show, and Aphex Twin is. Uh, I think it's just one guy again. I think he's French, but it's a lot of that kind of instrumental. Borders the line on soft piano music with like techno in a way yeah. just the kind of instrumentation that it is and I'm kind of getting that it may be something really similar to this American football 
I'll have to I'll have to listen to him and and be the judge of that. I what a great name for a band, American football. football. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, uh, the one song that actually they do have words on is "Never Meant," but it's like it's like so emo. It's not even funny. Never shout never levels of emo. No, <laughs> like really like broken down emo. I think they record the album in like one of their basements or something. Like that's how that sounds emo. Yeah, that's how like emotion. And they were only together for like four more years after. Then they broke up. Then got back together, and since put out two albums, which are not good as the first. But American Football is like they'll always hold that special spot mm-hmm. in me when I discovered them. That's very interesting, Brady. There are no Amish electric chair. <laughs> no one is. <laughs> well, what an adventure we've had today. Oh yeah. Um, I um. I, I don't like to do this. I want to... I had a little asterisks in my head that I wanted to cover okay. at the end of it after something you said. Talking about the Wooks, mm-hmm. you forgot to mention on that first album, who played the fiddle? Jesse Mother Lovin' Wells did. And you know Jesse, right? I do know Jesse. Personally? Yeah. <laughs> I do personally know Jesse Wells. <laughs> he was he was your professor? Yes, he was. That's awesome. One of, one of my many professors. Yeah. Yes, um, Jesse Wells, one of the finest human beings out there. Um, happy that he's enjoying. Yeah. It seems like he's enjoying. Doing good. Yeah, so, yeah, is that all you wanted to say? Uh, no, I just I just kind of remembered that halfway yeah. through the show. I'm like, oh, yeah, Jesse. So we'll have to get Jesse on because I'm pretty sure you've told me a story we won't say about Jesse and John Hartford. Yes. We'll have um, to get him on that John Hartford week. Yes, and... Um, Je- there's a few stories that Jesse has told me, and uh, that it'd be great if he was on. Um, so we'll have to make that happen. Yeah. He also introduced me to uh, the movie. Uh, what is it? Uh, First in show or last in show? I can't remember. But it's like a a parody of the the dog shows <laughs> and just kind of the people that are involved. Yeah. With it. And uh, I always, I always thank Jesse for that movie experience. Um, but yeah, that was the first alphabet episode. So next we the got letter the letter A. Uh, who's the Sesame Street character that with the letters? Uh, count Dracula or, or the Count? I think is it's just the Count, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I thought he was numbers. Listen, whenever I was a kid, he petrified me. <laughs> I had a little game on my, on my, uh, you know, the old white PC with the big fat monitor. And my dad would, like, always play hunting games on there with, like, the little mouse and stuff. And Cabela's then, like, Big Game Hunter 1998. I guess finally I was old enough to be a PC gamer <laughs> in, in the ripe year of 2002. And as soon as Count <laughs> popped up on the screen, I'd start screaming. It was just an awful experience. One one last story here. <laughs> uh, in my grandma and grandpa's old house, in their room at the very top, and like it's an older house, so like you have to walk up basically like a spiral staircase, but mm-hmm. it's all squared because it's not a spiral staircase. Yeah. And all the way up at the very last room at the end of that hallway, there was a white Windows 98 computer. And I had uh, I had three games that really stand out in my head. One was Crayola, like Rush or something, and it was like this 3D coloring book. 
and is really cool. And another one was this weird uh, kind of word search game, like an educational game. Mm-hmm. But one, and if anybody out there can help me remember what the name of this game is, you you played like this weird alien thing, and you'd start out with like all your friends in this giant underground library. And it was kind of educational, but kind of not. And you'd go through all of these different puzzles and games trying to figure out stuff. And you'd end up in a UFO at one point. I think one of the characters might have been like a worm. But it's not Earthworm Jim. Don't tell me it's Earthworm Jim because that's not educational. <laughs> but if anybody out there has a similar experience on a Windows 98 computer, I, I need your help in <laughs> discovering what that game is. Right over. <laughs> what you're not hearing. What you're not playing. What you're not playing. That's the video game podcast that we will be coming, coming out with. Coming soon. That would actually be a good podcast. I mean... We can do it. As as a PC gamer myself, <laughs> one who owns a gaming computer... Yeah. I mean... I actually kind of dropped the ball on that when I sold my Xbox and I have no <laughs> gaming console as of right now. I'm working on it. Trying to find a switch. So let us know if you want that podcast. What you're not playing. All right, Brady. It's been real. Um, and it's been real fun. It's been real fun. It's been a real big fish. <laughs> <laughs> Sky outro. <laughs> but uh, this is and this was what you're not hearing. Flip.